We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what's going on packer fans welcome into the pack a day podcast a non-victory monday edition of the show a rare non-victory monday welcome back always appreciate you listening to me i'm your host andy herman you can follow me on twitter at andy herman nfl before we begin Before we get started, before we break down the game, go over all the playoff stuff, an epic Colts collapse, an epic Chargers, Raiders, uh, Sunday night football game, before we get to all of that, let's take a deep breath, let's relax a little bit, let's calm down, let's understand that this game against the Detroit Lions means nothing, and it meant nothing, and going into the game, you know it meant nothing, and I feel like I need to say that because, I guess per usual, uh, Twitter did not react well to the Packers losing to the Lions, and I think, and I'll, I'll go over why in a second, but I think the big thing always to remember is to set proper expectations going into the game. If your expectation going into that game was rightfully that this is a coin flip game. The Packers are going to play their starters in and out. You know, some are going to get pulled midway through. We're going to see some Jordan Love. You know, yes, the Packers are playing quote unquote to win, but they're not exactly playing to win. And the biggest thing in this game is to get out of the game healthy. Then that's exactly what you saw in this game. And that's how Green Bay should have been playing. And by no way, shape or form does this Packers loss to to the Detroit Lions mean absolutely anything as the Packers get ready for their divisional round game. It means absolutely nothing. And I would have said that if they won by 40, if they lost by 40, or anything in between, any of it would have been the exact same. And I can say that confidently because I basically said the exact same thing when and go back to listen to my show with Mike Wall um, on the YouTube show. I, I talked about this exactly. The, the game against the Vikings where they won by a bunch, I said the exact same thing. Don't trust that game as an indicator that the Packers are ready for the playoffs. I I saw it written. I saw people talk about it. Well, the Packers destroyed the Vikings and they are all set for playoff action. That game meant nothing. The Vikings didn't want to be in that game. It was cold as heck. They didn't have their, you know, their starting quarterback. That game was lost before it even started for the Vikings. It didn't matter. The Packers had home field uh, and, and they took 
care of business. And because they cared about that game, they wanted to get home field advantage throughout the playoffs and, and Green Bay took care of business. As much as that game didn't matter when the Packers won by a ton, this game didn't matter when they lost by a touchdown. Sincerely, if you if you trust me or believe me on anything, believe me on that. What happens in the divisional round game, whoever they end up playing against, it will have no bearing on what happened in either of these last two games or really any of the games this season, other than the fact that the Packers won enough games to be the number one overall seed, have a first round bye, get additional time off and have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. The regular season is done, put it to bed, kill it, end it, it's over with. The only thing that mattered is that the Packers were one of two teams that played well enough all season long to get an automatic spot in the divisional round of the playoffs. That's it. That's all. All that matters. Now, does that mean that there's no takeaways from this Lions game? Does that mean that they played well enough that we don't need to discuss the things that went wrong? Does that mean any of that? No. Does that not, does that mean that we shouldn't be upset that the Packers lost? No, you can be upset that the Packers lost. I understand that. But remember within reason and remember what the expectations were going into that game. The expectations never should have been the Packers are clear favorites and they're going to go in and steamroll the Lions. That game was a coin flip going in because Green Bay wasn't playing to win that game legitimately. And I understand that Matt LaFleur was ticked off after the Packers lost that game. And I think he was very ticked off at some of the just discipline on defense that allowed some of those big play touchdowns, specifically on some of the trick plays. And that's awesome. I want the team and the coach to be ticked off. I want them to want to make those corrections. I want Matt LaFleur to set the tone for the rest of the team that that was an unacceptable performance and that they need to be perfect moving forward. That's exactly what I want to see from Matt LaFleur. And I actually don't mind getting that message because I almost always think about it this way too. Like with Green Bay winning the vast majority of their games before this, um, obviously if they want to be Super Bowl champions, they need to go 3-0 and moving forward. So it's like you start thinking about it, like if Green Bay were to win you know, had won that game, they would have won what? One, two, three, four, five, six games going up to that. They would have won, they would have needed to win nine games in a row. I think sometimes getting a little bit of that, that taste of, of a beating, getting a loss in the loss column, regardless of whether you were game planning and putting your best 11 out and all those sort of things and, and playing a, an actual schemed up defense rather than a rather vanilla defense, which is what I felt like Green Bay played in this game. I think it's sometimes okay to taste your own blood every once in a while and be like, you know what? We're not perfect. Our crap does stink. And we need to make sure that we play better than that as we get ready for this divisional round of the playoffs. I don't hate that. I don't hate that at all. And in fact, in a roundabout way, I actually think Detroit did Green Bay a lot of favors in this game. I think if, if Detroit came out and sleptwalked through this game and just got ready for the, the offseason... I don't think that does Green Bay any favors. I don't think it does at all. I think, you know, Green Bay having a string of games against Minnesota's backup quarterback, the Ravens' backup quarterback, Baker Mayfield throwing them four picks. Like, it's not exactly a, you know, a murderer's row of opponents, right? So if, if all of a sudden Detroit just comes out and doesn't care about this game and sleepwalk, sleepwalks through, you know, through the game and Green Bay wins 40 to nothing or something, I don't think that does Green Bay any favors. I really don't. I would much rather have this outcome than Green Bay just breezing through the Lions. And that's, this is not me being a Packers apologist. This is me telling you this straight to your face, eye to eye, and telling you this is what I would legitimately have rather had, a, a tough opponent that gave them a game and exposed some weaknesses on their defensive end. Now, I don't think the defenses on their, or their weaknesses on the defensive end had anything to do with their players or their coverage or things like that. I think they played a very vanilla brand of football. However, 
I think their discipline on the backside and making sure that they are staying disciplined when there are potential trick plays and you know reverses and end arounds and trick passes and everything else, I think that stuff does matter. And I do think that it's something that other teams are going to look at and Green Bay is going to have to be prepared for moving forward. And I would be willing to bet you almost anything that they will be. If some team in the playoffs wants to run a bunch of reverses and reverse passes and trick plays, Green Bay will be ready for it. I'm not saying that they may not complete it. I'm not saying that they might not get a big chunk play off of one of those, but Green Bay will have been prepared for it and they will have looked over it and they will have taught their players exactly what to do in those situations. That fixes what could have been a potential issue in this game had Detroit not exposed those sort of plays. So I think that actually is a positive. I think the fact that the Lions played them tough and made Green Bay play four quarters of football and try to win that game, I actually think that that's a positive. But if you think that there's any part of me that has any concern about the Packers losing that game when they're not playing again, they're full they're full deck of cards. They're not playing. It, it almost seemed like they were just playing a vanilla brand of specifically of defense, not you know, tipping their hand to anything that they might do in the postseason. Devondre Campbell's not roaming the middle of the field. You know, Detroit's emptying out the playbook, fake punts, reverse passes, you know, just everything, right? That it, it concerns me absolutely not at all. Like not even one iota. Would I have liked to see Green Bay pick up the win? Yes, it would have been nice. Does it bother me at all that they didn't? Not at all. And I, I, I can't say that enough. And that was my expectation going into the game. And yes, I would have liked to have seen them play better. I would have liked to have seen Jordan Love execute a little bit better at the end. I would have liked to see the defense get off the field when Green Bay had the lead uh, with, a, what, four minutes left in the game. I think there's all things that Green Bay would have liked to have done better and improved upon, and they didn't do it. And that's stuff that's going to have to get cleaned up, but it doesn't matter. They're going to go into this divisional round. They're going to be as healthy as they've been in a long time. And there were some very positives that Green Bay was able to take out of this game as well. And the last thing I'll say about this before I moved into to some of those positives is I think the, the Packers balancing act um, in this game is a much, it's a very underrated thing to try and pull off. To tell your team that this game matters and that you're going to go out to win when you know that you're just trying to get out of the game without injury that you know some players are going to come out early others are going to play the game like throughout the entirety it is a really tough balancing act players are smart players know players know this game doesn't matter players know that even if you tell them we're going to go out and try to win this game and players are going to play and things like that that this is you're not going to have the same level of intensity and anytime you're sort of trying not to get hurt you're certainly there's always something in the back of your mind right you're just trying to get to that divisional round game and it was very very clear and i think the clearest indication of this was the packers look at look at the sideline when they're down at halftime and the players are smiling and goofing around they're losing to the what two win uh detroit lions at that point they're losing at halftime and everyone on the sideline is calm and and you know go you know goofing around and joking around this game was not something that they were focused on to win nor should it have been that should not have been their focus their focus is getting prepared and ready and not rusty and healthy for that divisional round and to me for the most part they were successful in almost all of that and last but not least I'll, I'll say this as well kudos to the lions and kudos to Dan Campbell I think that's actually one of the worst teams that Green Bay could have played from a like win-loss standpoint. Like I said, I think it's great that Green Bay got that matchup, and I think it's great that they had a team that was still competing. So many teams had already given up on the season uh, at this point, and you look at that Bears-Vikings you know, Vikings game, I think Green Bay would have been much better off if trying to get a win uh, by playing one of those teams, Washington, you know, the Giants. Like Some of these teams are just checked out. 
and Green Bay could have picked up an, an easy win without having to try that hard. Uh, but kudos to the Lions for, despite being a three-win football team this season, they were scrappy and annoying to play all year long from the, the time that Green Bay played them in week two when things did matter to this week when they didn't matter. You know, I know to some extent, like the Lions have been playing for the same thing since basically week one. They were never a playoff contender. They were just trying to do the right things and put enough stuff together to be competitive week in and week out. But Dan Campbell did that and he got his team playing at a... Um, you know, a reasonable level. And I think a, a, an above average level compared to what you would expect that team to be at based on the talent of their roster. And I think they were, uh, again, scrappy and competitive in almost every game this year. And they deserve a lot of credit for that. And again, I think in a, in a weird way, it's if you were hoping to get a win in this game, it was one of the last teams you actually want to play because that, that that's the type of game that Detroit's made for. And if, again, Green Bay's trying to balance that line where this game doesn't really matter that much, Detroit's going to take advantage of it, and that's exactly what they did in this game. Speaking of some of that, you know, vanilla defense and the defense, Green Bay played a lot of off coverage, kept stuff in front of them, gave up some big plays that are going to have to be corrected specifically on those trick plays. But I thought the big thing on defense was you could just tell how much they missed Devondre Campbell. He is so integral to them. And I thought that this game more than any was a Devondre Campbell appreciation game, despite him not playing at all in the game. Like some of the stuff that Oren Burks, like I, I've liked some of the stuff that Oren Burks has put on in, in small doses in, you know, this season, he looks, he did not play a good game against Detroit. There's the play where Amon Ross St. Brown comes across and, you know, that's a play where Campbell makes all year long, tackles him for a, like a five yard gain and what would have been a third and three instead of uh, Amon Ra cuts it back and, you know, picks up a first down, breaks a tackle from Burks. And then the next play was the trick play touchdown. And it's just things like that, you know, they the, the middle of the field was open, didn't have the intimidating presence of Campbell. Like you could just tell how much Green Bay missed Campbell in this game. I think that was one of the, the low key differences in this game as well. I think it, had Campbell played at all, that this team would have looked a lot better defensively. And it just goes to show how important of a player he is for this defense. And, you know, the other thing I'll say too is, this has been a team that has devalued the linebacker position, the inside linebacker position for some time now. Devondre Campbell, I hope, has shown Green Bay the light. That position very much matters, and having a big-time inside linebacker going sideline to sideline, playing well in coverage and tackling everything in sight is a huge, you know, a huge aspect to your team's success. You need that type of player, and if you don't have it, as we saw against Detroit, it can make things totally different for your defense. So, Kudos to Devondre Campbell for showing exactly how important he is to the team by not playing and being inactive in this game. Speaking of a player who was active, or two players who were active, and talking more about good news in this game, let's talk a little bit about David Bakhtiari and Josh Myers, because to me, the biggest takeaway from this game, other than I think getting out of the game mostly injury-free, is the fact that David Bakhtiari looked like David Bakhtiari. And I know that it's not like the Lions are boasting the best pass rushers in the world, right? But he looked really good, and Josh Myers, I thought, really performed well at center as well. You go back to that first drive, Aaron Rodgers had all day to throw. That is not something, we have not seen Aaron Rodgers just sit back and dance around the pocket for eight, nine seconds. Now we can have a debate if that's actually what's best for this team or not, but the fact that he had that much time is just a, you know, it goes to show how how big of a difference those players make. And I thought it was, you know, I thought Bakhtiari looked like himself from snap one. Now, only got through 27 snaps, took himself out because he was fatigued, and that's going to be something to keep an eye on. Like, Green Bay has a real decision to make there. 
you know, do you play him until he can't go anymore in the divisional round? You know, I, it, it's tough to imagine that if he, you know, only made it 27 snaps against the Lions that all of a sudden he's now going to be able to play a full game in the divisional round. Maybe the, you know, home crowd and maybe the playoff atmosphere, maybe that adrenaline gets you through that. But that's going to be a tough decision. Do you want to play him until he can't go and then just bring in Yash like they kind of did in this game? Uh, working off some of that rust and just getting back in game shape is going to be something that's really important. And I don't know if it's safe to assume that Bakhtiari is going to be able to play a full game in the divisional round. However, I will say that just how he looked in that game is nothing but a positive takeaway. Whether he can, you know, maybe you can only give him 30 snaps, Whether whatever it may be, the Packers will be better on those 30 snaps because David Bakhtiari was playing them. No question about it. He was phenomenal. Uh, he looked like himself, and I can't say enough about you know just the fact. I can't imagine how hard that is, you know, to to mentally get back into things. A one year layoff, all of a sudden getting back on an NFL field against NFL talent, and to just look like David Bakhtiari after that much time off is an incredible testament to him, to the training staff, to the coaches for getting him ready, all of it. Because I, I thought he looked phenomenal in his time back. And same thing for Josh Myers. And, you know, to a lesser extent, obviously doesn't look like David Bakhtiari and obviously wasn't gone for as much time, didn't have as big of an ACL injury or anything like that. But I thought he looked solid too. I'm going to be really excited to see how the grades look. But to me, there's no question, especially how Royce Newman performed later in this game. There is zero question in my mind that the best offensive line for this team moving forward is Bakhtiari, Runyon, Myers, Patrick, and then either Kelly or Billy Turner. That's it. You got to go with that. Um, as I've mentioned, I actually think Kelly has outperformed Turner. I think they would a million percent go with Turner over Kelly, that being said. So I think if Turner's healthy, he'll get his right tackle spot back. I do not expect them to put Billy Turner at right guard or have that as the discussion. I do believe, again, if everyone's healthy, it's going to be Turner at right tackle. If not, it'll be Kelly at right tackle, but it's got to be Patrick at right guard where he's played much better the last couple seasons than at center or left guard. Again, uh, Myers at center, John Running Jr. at left guard, Bakhtiari at left tackle. If those guys can go, that that offensive line has the ability to be much, much better. And I'm incredibly excited about how they looked and what they can be moving forward. That opening drive, touchdown drive was really awesome. Like there's a part of me that just wishes Green Bay just would have said, all right, opening drive, touchdown, Bakhtiari got his reps, maybe play one more drive just to get Adams the record. Uh, more on that in a second. But other than that, there was nothing more to play for. I almost wish they just would have went, you know, full backups at that point. They decided not to. I get it. I understand it. But I think this game would have had a slightly different connotation if that's the direction that they went through uh, or went to. But overall, really impressive first drive and kind of in a way that's all I was looking for. And, and again, I'm not going to repeat it anymore, but nothing else really mattered in this game. As far as injuries go, that was really what did matter in this game besides getting Bakhtiari and Myers those reps. Green Bay did have two injuries and not to insignificant players. MVS was out with a back injury and did not return. That's a real concern. Like a, a back injury, as we know, with Zadarius Smith can absolutely linger for a long period of time. Maybe it's minor and he can be, can be back in two weeks. Maybe it's not and they miss him. And if they miss him, they will miss him. Now, I tweeted earlier in the game before his injury, I think there are is a clear number three, you know, top three wide receivers. And I think that's Adams, Lazard, and Randall Cobb, the way those three have played over the course of the season. I think MVS is, is a clear number four, but it limits your depth. And it also takes away potential one of your, you know, the potential of one of your deep threats, a guy that can actually stretch the defense and make defenses pay attention to him down the field. And losing out on that does matter. So I do think that there is some concern there with MVS. So it's possible that Green Bay didn't get out of this with a clean bill of health. 
Then we also saw Chandon Sullivan leave early, what looked like a head injury. I don't want to speculate ever on a concussion or anything like that, but some sort of head head injury and he did not return. I don't believe he returned to the game. I didn't see him return to the game. So those will be a couple injuries to keep an eye on moving forward. But Overall, it seemed like Green Bay got out of the game relatively healthy. Bakhtiari came out early, but it was just fatigue. There was no injury there, no re-injury. So great news there. Same thing with Myers. It seems like he got out of the game without re-injuring anything. So overall, I think considering you played on a somewhat you know tough turf and you know against a team that's very scrappy and competitive, I think overall getting out with injuries just to MVS and Sullivan and hopefully nothing long-term, I think you have to be happy with that result. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, let's jump over to Jordan Love because this was the other hot topic following the game. Let's start with the good, right? Jordan Love started 8 of 12 for 116 yards and a touchdown in this game and helped the Packers go on a 17-3 run to take the lead, added a two-point conversion where he ran it in himself, and gave Green Bay the lead, a three-point lead with four minutes left in the game. If game ends there, if the Packers are able to get a stop on defense, take over, and just run out the clock... This looks like a fantastic game for Jordan Love. Yes, a lot of the yardage were, you know, after the catch from Josiah DeGuar on a screenplay. I'm fully aware of that. But you feel pretty good about the fact that he got in there, led his team to, what, three scoring drives, came back, helped win the game, and then, you know, got the two-point conversion. Like, there were some real positive takeaways from that period of time. And again, you feel really good about that performance. You're probably feeling like, all right, we didn't see a ton there. It was pretty vanilla from Love, but you can feel pretty good about the effort. However, 
the rest of the game did not treat him very well. He ended the rest of the game two for five with, uh, for 18 yards and two interceptions. You kind of go through that though, right? All right, so first of all, first one was a check down to Patrick Taylor. And that was a zero yard gain. So that was one for one, zero yards. And then you had the, the tip pass that was then bobbled by Amari Rogers and picked off. Not Jordan Love's fault. You would love to have that one back and or maybe just Rogers come up with the catch, but certainly nothing that you're going to put too much on Jordan Love. Then you get to the next drive. And then of course you have EQ streaking down the field as Greg Olson went over and over and over, but somehow failed to mention that there is a defensive lineman in Jordan Love's lap and not allowing him to step up and throw that ball where he wants to go. Now, with Aaron Rodgers, we can tend to take some of that stuff for granted. Could maybe he have sidestepped or maybe he anticipated it sooner or led him in a different direction before the, the you know rusher got there? Sure, those are all things when you're a veteran quarterback. When you're making literally your, your and basically your second appearance, right? He's had other appearances, but this is basically like his second legitimate appearance. Those things are going to happen, especially when you've got immediate pressure and a guy coming right up, you know, right into your midsection. And yes, those are job description throws. Those are throws that you've got to take the hit and deliver. No question about it. But if it's a clean pocket and he misses EQ on that deep ball, much more egregious play. Him taking the hit as the ball's released and having it a bit behind EQ or maybe a lot behind EQ, I can live with that a little bit more. I understand it. That is a learn something he can learn from and something he can get better from, but not something that I expect him to just have down at this point in his career. And then he hits EQ for the 18-yard gain. And then once again, Royce Newman gets, I think it was Royce Newman who gets beat on the twist inside, immediate pressure. He airmails the throw and it's picked off. Overall, I, like this is just like, it's another incomplete performance for me as I would grade this for Jordan Love. And I'll, again, I'll look at it more as the week goes on and I break down the tape, but you know, it starts good, but even the good was very vanilla, right? There, there's not a ton there. I thought the the rollout with the touch pass over the top to Tyler Davis, that had the potential to be a rather special throw. Uh, just Davis couldn't come down with it. You know, outside of that, I don't know that there's anything that I could point to and be like, oh, this, that, you know, was amazing. Same thing on the other side though. I think the tipped interception, I'm willing to forgive. I think the the missed throw to EQ, pressure in his lap, I'm willing to forgive, uh, you know, at least have some accident forgiveness in that situation. And then the airmailed throw, you're trying to make something happen with no time left. There's a guy in your lap and you're just trying to get rid of the ball to not take a sack. I can live with that too. And I think the the big thing here, if you if you had to ask me, and if I'm being totally transparent and honest with you, and again looking you in the eye, do I feel great about where Jordan Love is at right now, two years into his career, um, with a lot of you know reps with the number ones? I would say no. I, I don't feel great about it. And I think that's why Green Bay is so all in on trying to get Aaron Rodgers back is I, I think Jordan Love is probably a, a bit behind, where, maybe even more than that, behind where they would like him to be right now. I think that's a fair assessment. And if you're slightly discouraged by where Jordan Love is at, I can understand that. But I think what's so frustrating is Packer fans of all fans, of any fan should know that two years, especially when you've only made a start and a half, basically, does not a career make. Do we need to go to Brett Favre? No, in year two, he was pretty darn good. But in his first year with Atlanta, he was complete hot garbage and did nothing. Aaron Rodgers in his first two uh, first two seasons, 15 for 31, 111 yards, zero touchdowns and a pick and looked awful, by the way. Looked awful. There's no two ways about it. Whatever your recollection of it was, if it's anything other than awful, it's wrong. He looked awful. Jordan Love, 36 for 62, 411 yards, two touchdowns, three picks. 
Want to talk about Devontae Adams' second year? I don't even need to go into statistics on that one. It was really bad. Playing through injury, of course, but really bad. Really bad second season. Rashawn Gary, not a bad second season, but certainly nothing compared to where he's at in year three. Like, of any fans that should know to give players time, look look at freaking Razul Douglas. Dude was this close to out of the league this season, and he broke out in a huge way. Devondre Campbell, really bad football for the better part of the last four plus seasons, and he's looked awesome in Green Bay this year. Different players peak at different times, and you don't know when that light bulb is going to go off. You don't know when it's going to click, and you're just hoping that these reps give opportunity and that Jordan Love can learn from them and that he can get better. I feel about the same, and I remember very distinctly, I feel about the same right now about Jordan Love that I did uh, about Aaron Rodgers in year two of his career. Not great, but it didn't, it doesn't matter. Like this is not, again, it's an incomplete grade all the way around. You can't make a sweeping decision on anything based on the snaps that we've seen from Jordan Love. It just is what it is. You have to give quarterbacks time. And yes, we're seeing Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert in year two look phenomenal. No question about it. They look great. That's awesome. That's not how everyone goes about their career. And again, I I would argue, and I've said this, I've said this to Bear fans when they were talking about Mitch Trubisky, and I'll say it now as well about Jordan Love. I do think we are in a day and age of football where it's much less likely that you see improvement from a quarterback in any significant matter over the course of their, you know, over the course of their career. More often than not, if you look at the quarterbacks that are really good in this league, I think Aaron Rodgers is one of the rare exceptions. Ryan Tannehill is a bit of an exception. Josh Allen, a, a bit of an exception. But for the most part, by, by end of year two, you pretty much know who they are by far and away. And I'm not putting the nail in Jordan Love's coffin, the exact opposite. But I do think you start to get a feel for who they are as a quarterback. But a lot of those are through repetition that Jordan Love hasn't gotten. And I just think that making a final declaration of, oh, he's a bust or it's over or anything like that is beyond ridiculous. I think it's crazy. I think it's dumb. I think it's stupid. I think it's irresponsible. And again, my biggest call out would be for, for any fan base, for any fan base to understand and say, hey, we should give players time. The Packers fan base should know better than anyone because some of their biggest stars over the course of time have come in and developed over their first two or three seasons and didn't click until later on. It just is what it is. So I I, I don't know. Again, I mark this as an incomplete for love, uh, an incomplete grade. I mark his first two years as an incomplete. And I think until we see him with starters for any significant period of time, and actually get him reps over the course of a season, we're just not going to know who he is as a player. I think that I'll leave it at that. And I, I think it just has to be left as sort of an incomplete and, and a wait and see. All right, moving along. All right, so Devontae gets the record. I think that was one of the really cool takeaways and just nobody better deserving. He passes Jordy Nelson, who was also very deserving, by the way. But man, Adams is a special, special player. So great to see him get it. You can argue, yes, that he did it in, you know, 17 games or whatever. Don't care. Uh, And also, of course, he missed some time. So ends up sort of evening out. But overall, tremendous, tremendous season for Devontae Adams. No, uh, to me, nobody better to be holding that that franchise record. Nobody more deserving and uh, just a, a great, a great standard bearer for receivers moving forward when it comes to Packers wide receivers. So awesome to see him get that. 
couple other players who I thought had really nice games, Dean Lowry. Again, as I mentioned in, in recent uh, Grading the Pack episodes, uh, if you've been listening to those or reading on uh, on Packer Report, the, the time for bashing Dean Lowry is over. If you're still in the repeated, like, Dean Lowry and Tyler Lancaster suck, Dean Lowry and Tyler Lancaster suck, this defense sucks because of Dean Lowry and Tyler Lancaster, you are out of date. Dean Lowry has been playing really good football this season. I'm not saying that he's, like, otherworldly or anything like that, but he is a above-average player. He's grading out as a plus player, and I thought this was one of his best games of the year. Sack, pressure, um, you know, big stop in the backfield. Like, I just thought he had a really nice game and uh, somebody who continues to impress this season, and I'll be the first to admit, I will tell you when I'm wrong, I thought Green Bay should have easily moved on from Dean Lowry in the offseason. I thought Brian Gutekinds was crazy uh, for bringing him back this year. I was wrong. Brian Gutekinds was right. That tends to happen quite a bit. Uh, but it won't be the it won't be the first time, won't be the last. Um, Brian Gudikins got this one right, and, and kudos to Dean Lowry for paying off the trust that this you know this front office and coaching staff had in Dean Lowry to bring him back and perform at the level that he has. Another player that I thought impressed was Patrick Taylor. Runs physical, but he also has a really impressive first step. Has some burst. Was impressive watching him break tackles, but as well as kind of. Uh, you know, just get into his run. I think AJ Dillon sometimes can be a little bit more methodical. Uh, of course, Aaron Jones doesn't mess around. He'll get upfield when he needs to, but really like seeing that quick first step, uh, quick decision, you know, quick decision making, I should say, and then the ability to kind of move the, the pile a little bit as well. Excited to see more of Patrick Taylor. And I think, you know, one of the cool things is of all the churn that we could potentially see at all different positions for Green Bay next year, running back looks pretty set with Jones, Dillon, Taylor, and then a returning Kylan Hill at some point, I'm still heartbroken over Kylan Hill's ACL injury, but hopefully he gets back healthy and can contribute sooner rather than later as well. But that is a good stable of running backs if everyone can come back healthy. And again, all four of those should be uh, back within their current contracts and no real churn there. So that is one position that should be set going into the off season. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Other really quick things, uh, the Manning curse continues. Uh, t- uh, player teams that have had players go on the the Peyton and Eli Manning cast the week before are now 0-7 on the season. They were 0-6 before this game. Aaron Rodgers was on, of course, last Monday Night Football. And the Packers lose this game. So hopefully no Green Bay Packer ever goes on the Manning cast again. I thought overall in this game, the special teams mostly was nondescript and even keeled, save for the missed extra point by Mason Crosby, although they did sort of get a blocked punt as well by Juwan Winfrey. But man, just make the extra point. It had seemed like some of those issues got worked out, but now you have just enough trepidation going into the playoffs of, all right, every kick is going to matter, be super important, and you can't trust anything with that kicking unit on the field. And that one looked to be squarely on the shoulders of Mason Crosby, although some of that timing is is tough to judge um, if you're not you know knowing the inner workings of it. So I'm not going to put it all on Crosby, but it it's just one of those that is a veteran kicker, whether even, even if the timing was a little bit off, you just got to put it through the uprights and he didn't. And to me, that one falls more on Mason Crosby. Tough game for Amari Rodgers. Uh, the the dropped, you know, I know that the pass was tipped, but he has the opportunity to come up with that ball. Um, and then, you know, taking the kick return out, to, you know, at the end of the game, wasting time, getting worse field positions. 
just needs to be better. I thought he had one nice punt return. Um, so there's some signs there. I think he had a couple catches, but overall, um, not the ideal season that I think a lot of fans were hoping from Amari Rodgers. As far as a Packers standpoint, uh, going forward in the playoffs, the Packers will face either the Rams, the Cardinals, the Eagles, or the 49ers in that first playoff game. They will face the lowest seed of those teams of whoever's remaining following the wildcard week. And one note of significance with that wildcard schedule, Rams Cardinals is on Monday night football. If the, you know, if the Buccaneers and the Cowboys win their games against the the Eagles and 49ers respectively, which isn't a guarantee, but if those two games go chalk, the Packers would then face the winner of Rams Cardinals the following week. And so not only would the Packers be coming off uh, a bye week with good rest, the Rams and Cardinals would be coming off the first short week ever in the playoffs. You know, I guess it's not a ton different going from Sunday to Saturday. They would go from Monday to Sunday probably, but either way, they would have uh, a shorter week than you know any other team um, that would be playing on Sunday. So that is a uh, interesting thing to sort of keep an eye on. That if the Packers do play the Rams or Cardinals, they will be coming off of shorter rest and a short week overall for them. Good news for Green Bay. Uh, I think there was some good news. First of all, the Packers have never lost more than four games with Matt LaFleur. So great to get that fourth loss out of the system in the regular season. They should be clear now to win the Super Bowl. Matt LaFleur has still never lost back-to-back games. So hopefully that means they've just basically wrapped up their divisional round win and will not lose a back-to-back game for the first time this time around. And yes, while the Lions did win the game, they did lose the number one overall pick in the draft. So who was the real winner and loser of this game? Uh, Packers hopefully setting themselves up for playoff success while the Lions lose out on the number one overall pick in the draft. And beyond anything else, the playoffs are or the Packers are three wins away from winning a Super Bowl. That's all that matters. That's all that matters left this season. They will be judged on those remaining games, not on anything that happened against the Lions or the Saints earlier this year or the Chiefs, or any other game you want to talk about, win, loss, whatever, the, they will be judged on the remainder of the season and whether or not they can get those three wins on this all-in season. It's going to be a ride. If that Sunday night uh, Chargers-Raiders game was the appetizer for what's still to come in the playoffs, it's going to be a crazy wild ride. Sunday was an enjoyable game of football and uh, you know, enjoyable day of football, I should say. The Colts losing was inexplicable. Just a terrible, brutal loss for them. I can't even put in words how embarrassed the Colts should be for losing to the Jaguars with a win and in scenario. That Raiders-Chargers game was one of the best games I've literally ever seen in my life. And to have that drama with three teams pending playoff scenarios based on what happened, could have just kneeled down and didn't. Raiders end up winning the game just beyond epic. I am absolutely beyond ready for playoff football. Absolutely cannot wait. It is going to be so incredibly fun. And we'll see next week who the Packers end up matching up with in the divisional round. Again, it'll either be 49ers. uh, It'll either be, excuse me, be the 49ers, the Eagles, uh, the Rams, or the Cardinals. And we will find out on wildcard week exactly who that is. Last but not least, I'll say it one more time. Your Green Bay Packers are three wins away from being Super Bowl champs. Thank you so much for joining me today. I always appreciate it. Don't let this game get you down. Don't let Jordan Love's play get you down. Let these things play out. It's going to be a phenomenal playoffs. I will be right back here tomorrow on YouTube, so make sure to check that out. If you're not subscribed on YouTube, make sure to do so. If you're listening to the audio version of the podcast, make sure to subscribe, like, comment. We would greatly appreciate that. Those five stars mean a ton. But we are getting ready for playoff football. I'll be back here tomorrow on YouTube. I think it's going to be Dan, Janelle, and Eli on the audio version. 
But until next time, and as always, go Paco. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com